This is Jay Barris of Sidley Austin with the Mutual Fund Minute. On Halloween 2023, the U.S. Department of Labor spooked the investment advisor world when it proposed rules that would change the definition of when someone provides investment advice when determining who is a fiduciary for purposes of the Employee Retirement Income Securities Act of 1974, or known as ERISA. If adopted as proposed, these rules would greatly expand the categories of investment advice that would be subject to ERISA's fiduciary standards, including the law's rigid prohibited transaction rules. With me today is Beth Dickstein, a partner in Sidley's Employee Benefits and Executive Compensation Practice in Chicago to explain the proposal and what impact it could have. Beth, what is the DOL proposal and what's behind it? Well, Jay, way back in 1975, the Department of Labor, or DOL, adopted a five-part test for determining when a person is a fiduciary under ERISA by reason of providing, quote-unquote, investment advice. And now for at least 15 years, um, the DOL has been trying to amend this five-part test. In essence, the DOL has believed that this five-part test effectively excluded some activity that really should be covered by ERISA's protections. This new proposal represents the latest attempt by the Department of Labor or DOL to fine-tune its rules and um, close some loopholes by capturing more kinds of activity. What's an example of a loophole that this proposed rule is designed to capture? Well, an example would be the DOL has basically interpreted this, the existing test to effectively exclude one-time advice to a retirement investor from being considered fiduciary investment advice. What would, what would change here? Well, these new rules, if adopted, would capture much more activity. The test would turn on some different factors. And it would turn on the retirement investor's reasonable expectations in the context of the investment. So arguably, it would now include the one-time advice under the right circumstances. Okay, Beth, let's just take a step back for a moment. Let's focus on the law, the regulation, and the context of this rule. Okay, so as background, um, the DOL, Department of Labor, administers ERISA, which is a federal law that governs workplace employee benefit plans, such as you know the typical defined benefit pension plans and 401k plans. Um, ERISA imposes significant obligations on quote-unquote fiduciaries to these plans. And to be honest, the definition of who's a fiduciary can get pretty technical. So under ERISA, a person is a fiduciary to a retirement plan if either one, the person has discretionary authority or control over the assets of the plan or the administration of the plan, or if the person provides investment advice, as defined in the ERISA regulations, for a fee. Does the proposed definition change the status of a person as a fiduciary? Well, the proposed definition does not change the status of a person as a fiduciary if they're providing um, discretionary authority. So if they have discretionary authority, the definition is still the same. The proposal only changes the definition of an advice fiduciary. And, you know, you should note, under ERISA, fiduciaries, including advice fiduciaries, must avoid conflicts of interest 
which are broadly defined under ERISA. And, and to back this up, ERISA sets forth broad categories of what we call prohibited transactions that limit how a fiduciary can interact with a retirement investor. Well, what, what about individual retirement accounts or IRAs? I always thought they were not subject to ERISA. So how would the rule apply to them? Jay, you are absolutely correct that IRAs in general are not subject to ERISA. There are some, some exceptions to that, but in general, they're not subject to ERISA. However, the Internal Revenue Code contains prohibited transaction restrictions that apply to fiduciaries of IRAs. And these restrictions are, are really substantially similar to those contained in ERISA. What's the DOL really concerned about here? What prompted these proposed revisions? Well, Jay, um, the DOL believes that advice providers are, are really not always treated as fiduciaries under these technical requirements. And the DOL is concerned that these advisors may not be subject to the high standards of conduct under ERISA, even where the advisor is helping a retirement investor make decisions with respect to the, you know, their lifetime savings, their lifetime retirement savings. And they may tell them to transfer these savings to, say, like an annuity or a different retirement account. So, you know, the DOL is concerned that these advisors may act in their own interests, not in the interests of the retirement advisors. And they may sell products to retirement investors with high fees that may be reduced returns. So that's what the DOL is really concerned about. How would the rules change the definition of a fiduciary for purposes of ERISA? Well, under this new proposal, um, the rules would define a financial service provider as a fiduciary if it meets the following criteria. One, the provider provides investment advice or makes investment recommendations to a retirement investor. Two, the advice or recommendation is provided for a fee or other compensation. And three, the provider makes recommendations to the retirement investor under specific enumerated circumstances. Okay, let's, let's pause that for a second here. Tell me more about what you mean by certain enumerated circumstances. What, what does that mean? Well, Jay, that is a really good question because that's where the nuts and bolts of this change are sort of captured. Um, basically, the circumstances, there are three circumstances. The first one is where the provider makes investment recommendations to investors on a regular basis as part of its business, and the recommendation to a retirement investor is provided under circumstances indicating that the recommendation is based on such investors' particular needs and may be relied upon the retirement investor as a basis for investment decisions that are in the retirement investor's best interests. That's a mouthful. What's the next one? It is a mouthful, but that is the big one that people are focused on. But the next one is a little bit simpler. The provider has discretionary authority with respect to purchasing or selling securities or other investment property for the retirement investor. And what about the, the third one? The third one's even easier. The provider represents or acknowledges that it is acting as a fiduciary when making the investment recommendations. How would this new standard differ from the existing standard, which has been in place with some modifications for, what, 50 years? Yep, since uh, 1975, so yeah, almost 50 years. 
Well, so they so that's the existing five-part test, and it's much harder to um, satisfy that one. So basically, the five-part test provides that someone's a fiduciary only if the person gives advice to a plan as to value of securities or other property or advises on whether to purchase or sell securities or other property. The advice is provided on a regular basis. There is a mutual agreement or understanding that the advice serves as a primary basis for investment decisions and the advice is individualized to the retirement investor. Does this five-part test leave a a lot or even any wiggle room? And if so, how? Well, so yeah, that's the big issue. In the DOL's view, it absolutely leaves a lot of wiggle room. So like, for example, um, let's just say an advisor provides one-time advice to take a distribution from a 401k plan. Um, The Department of Labor believes this may be one of the most important investment decisions a person can make But under that five-part test, the advisor may not be subject to the ERISA fiduciary standard because it's just a one-time recommendation. It's not being provided on a regular basis. So it it sounds more like they think it's a loophole than anything else. Uh, How how would this rule relate to the SEC's regulation best interest, or regulation BI, as we, we call it? Doesn't the Securities and Exchange Commission's uh, regulation best interest cover the same issues? So that's a great question. And in fact, in the proposal, the DOL did reference that regulation best interest, which, as you, as you mentioned, it, it established a best interest standard um, that applies to broker-dealers when recommending securities transactions or investment securities to retail investors. Um, in the department's view, they stated that that Reg BI does not cover advice to workplace retirement plans themselves or to recommendations to their legal representatives when they're receiving advice on the plan's behalf. Beth, what else did the DOL propose along with this broader definition of who is a fiduciary? Well, this proposal is a little bit different, but one of the changes since the last time the DOL amended the definition or tried to amend the definition of fiduciary, they the DOL did not include a carve-out for advice to a sophisticated investor In the prior change to the definition of fiduciary, a person was not considered a fiduciary even if they were providing investment advice, but if they were providing it to an an independent fiduciary of a plan or an IRA who either was a licensed provider, like a registered investment advisor, or managed at least $50 million in assets, they would not be considered a fiduciary under this rule, recognizing they didn't need the types of protection that the Department of Labor was interested in. So that was one big thing that a lot of people are upset about. But then also, the DOL proposed to amend certain prohibited transaction exemptions, or PTEs, that, to be honest, in some cases, advice fiduciaries have been relying on for decades. What exactly is a PTE? That's not a part-time employee, is it? <laughs> no, but maybe for someone else, but not in my world. Um, a PT is a uh, prohibited transaction exemption, and, and these prohibited transaction exemptions permit fiduciaries to engage in transactions that otherwise would be prohibited transactions under ERISA or the Internal Revenue Code. One exemption was issued in 2020, And that exemption permits um, an advice fiduciary to receive compensation for providing investment recommendations 
that otherwise would um, violate the ERISA prohibited transaction conflicts of interest rules. Um, now, to, to rely on this PTE and, and receive compensation, a fiduciary has to comply with a best interest standard, which is it's similar back to that reg- regulation best interest standard that the SEC uh, adopted. They also have to acknowledge fiduciary status. They have to disclose conflicts of interest. And if the fiduciary is a financial institution, it has to adopt very comprehensive uh, policies and procedures regarding this exemption. All right, just hold on for a second here. Haven't we seen something like this before? Uh, Jay, yes, we have. Um, The DOL has proposed similar revised rules in the past, including one that was actually finalized in 2016. And that one changed the DOL's five-part test that I talked about before. And there was a lot of litigation around that, uh, that rule. And finally, in 2018, the uh, Fifth Circuit vacated that rule. And it was basically then null and void. And, and to be honest, this is now like the third time the DOL has attempted to revise the, the fiduciary uh, definition. I, I view ERISA like electricity. When I got an electrical problem, I call an electrician. I don't try to fix it myself. So I'm going to ask you, what's the bottom line here? You're the electrician. Um, that's how I keep my job. So I'm thankful for that. Thank you, Jay, for calling me when you have these questions. Um, but basically, the bottom line here is that this proposal, if adopted, um, really would require a wider class of people to have to comply with the ERISA requirements. And it it has the potential, to be honest, to create more uncertainty because advisors are going to struggle to determine whether they meet this new test. And, you know, I think I just read there's like, I don't know, 14,000 comments that are going to the DOL on this uh, rule. So it's really very controversial. But basically, the bottom line here is failure to recognize that you're a fiduciary or if you need to comply with that prohibited transaction exemption and you don't, can really be a costly mistake for the advisor. On that note, uh, I want to thank you, Beth, for walking us through this complicated proposal. This is Jay Barris of Sidley Austin with the Mutual Fund Minute. This presentation has been prepared by Sidley Austin LLP and affiliated partnerships, the firm, for informational purposes and is not legal advice. This information is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute a lawyer-client relationship. All views and opinions expressed in this presentation are our own, and you should not act upon this information without seeking advice from a lawyer licensed in your own jurisdiction. The firm is not responsible for any errors or omissions in the content of this presentation, or for damages arising from the use or performance of this presentation under any circumstances. Do not send us confidential information until you speak with one of our lawyers and receive our authorization to send that information to us. Providing information to the firm will not create an attorney-client relationship in the absence of an express agreement by the firm to create such a relationship, and will not prevent the firm from representing someone else in connection with the matter in question or a related matter. The firm makes no warranties, representations, or claims of any kind concerning the information presented on or through this presentation. Attorney Advertising, Sidley Austin LLP, 1 South Dearborn, Chicago, Illinois, 60603, 1312, 853-7000. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome.